0: We're back. We're back. This is distraction. I'm bro!
1: That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Feeling good, man. How are you? Good. We saw each other last week. I can't believe I know. it. In real life. Not saw like them. I mean, we can see each other now, but I can't see if you're wearing pants or not or anything like that. I'm and not. I saw last week.
0: I'm not. i pants. I'm uh, I'm I'm wearing a shirt, and then from the top from the waist down, all nude. You're wearing a
1: long Adam Sandler style shirt that looks like a golf shirt, but in fact actually hits just below your knees.
0: I haven't crossed the, uh, the old man Rubicon where they just happily saunter around with a shirt and no pants on, like like around like a locker room and stuff. Like <laughs> like they'll have like a, a, a polo shirt on and their dick and balls and like a, like a baggy ass just like hanging out and no compunction at all. Just like, yeah. This is totally normal. I always felt like,
1: that was like the most aggressive move that you could make in a locker room. Just like a man who like, I can't not pay attention to balls of a certain length, I yeah. guess. So, I don't. Know, is that the term or depth? <laughs> Whatever it is, that person trying to talk to me about like what happened in the Knicks game last night. Like, I'm going to do a bad job talking about the Knicks game, even if I saw it, because you won't do me the courtesy of having that conversation without your long balls.
0: Yeah, to in, me, in it's more. Shot. To me, it's more offensive than being all the way nude. If you're, like, if you're, you're calling even more attention to your balls when you just have the, the T-shirt on, and Nicki Minaj's cousin is never going to marry you. <laughs> guy. Guy.
1: It's tough. Everybody knows she violated his hippo rights right there online.
0: Hey, speaking of point. big balls, it's Spencer Hall. I guess it's Spencer Hall. Hi, Spencer.
2: Hi, Spencer. Yeah, that is quite the segue.
0: Yeah. I, I we 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 are professionals here. We handle this in the most professional manner. Spencer Hall he rehearsed that for hours, and I feel like the, it shows. Is the world's greatest college football writer? You can find him right now at Channel Six, uh, which is at channel-six. Ghost. or at twenty-six snakescom with twenty-six in numerals. He runs that side with Holly Anderson. And I wanted to talk to you, before we talked about college football, because we should actually talk about college football, Spencer, I want to talk about how you got to Channel 6, because, of course, you and I met back when you were the proprietor of Every Day Should Be Saturday, which, when you started, was its own independent website, which was then purchased, I believe, by SB Nation. Can you take me through the progression that led you from Every Day Should Be Saturday to Channel 6?
2: So EDSBS 2009 becomes a member of SB Nation, which becomes Vox Media. I'm there till20. Jesus, 2020 at that point. Um, then go ahead and leave Vox Media, and then, like everybody else, sort of, I had to figure out exactly what to do and how to get people to pay for it. Turns out if you just ask people for money that tends to work pretty well, and if you make your promises pretty modest and say we'll give you two things a week that's the solemn channel six promise two things a week which was like that was a pretty good way of just saying i think we can do this and two sounds okay three sounds like a lot especially when when we started it i like a lot of people was busy teaching a kid at home sometimes two kids and not really sure what you could even do during the day i don't know if you ever try to teach an eight-year-old anything it is two full-time jobs um and damn near impossible but it worked out real well and in addition to that too like it helps having like the full cast and full cast after dark which we do with you know metalark and i do a tv show too i'm on the sec network yeah that's another, I've been
1: seeing more and more photos of you smartly turned out in grown man shirts sitting at a desk, presumably talking about Auburn, <laughs> but with the beard lot beard
2: a lot of talking about auburn, a lot of a lot of laughing at anyone falling down. There's a thing that has never failed in American culture once, and it's people falling down on TV. So if you can do that, i the most exciting part about doing TV for me is people recognizing me from face Not voice because you're on in sports bars. That's Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a whole new, that's a different
0: entry point of fame. Like, TV famous to me has always been, like, in orders of magnitude more famous than blog famous, right? Like, Well, they're both
2: spotty. Like, never yeah. assume people are living in the same universe, even room to room. Like, they're just different worlds. So the people who recognize you from TV, like, my sister's father-in-law now sort of reps me. Like He now is like, hey, I know that guy on TV. What does he talk about? I don't know. I don't have the volume on. But he's on it. (laughs) definitely know he's on it. On on the SEC network.
1: That's the part I I hadn't considered about being on in sports bars, too, is that people might actually be startled to hear what you sound like. They're just like, as long as you don't shave, they're going to have some idea who you are.
2: Right. Visual visual recognition versus hearing is an entirely different relationship. When people hear you, like on this podcast they think you're your acquaintances they think you're friends when they see you they think you they can say anything about the commodity that is you that can walk up to and say things like hey you're fatter in real life than i thought you would be <laughs> <laughs> like just like like and people feel totally normal doing that people who you know are pretty conscientious otherwise are like yeah you know what you're you're taller cuz you look pretty short and fat on tv Do
1: they it, mean it as like a note are they like, it's, you know, I love your work. Like, I love seeing you at Buffalo Wild Wings, but having no idea what you're talking about. But you got to, it's a little jowlier than you might want. Yeah, but,
2: like, I I don't know, because uh, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, I
1: think that's I would not want pe- it done to me.
2: I, I think well, that's most people. It's less intimate
0: on TV. And what happens is once you're on TV, you become a character in the television set. And like, we, you know, we talked for a long time about how every single person that, president trump ever encountered was just a character on the tv screen to him but that's like a natural phenomenon with people it's why like it's why i say nasty shit about like any fantasy player who let me down because of course i only see them on tv and somehow there's some sort of alchemy where the humanity is surgically removed and i
1: can just say well that guy broke his leg and he's an asshole for doing that yeah I mean, you've built a, a powerful brand on that, but I think it would have been very different if you had to, like, call Raheem Mostert on the phone. and Yes, yeah,
0: like, so I would not do
1: that. I don't <laughs> that appreciate the whole knee thing. Fuck Got me it. up.
0: Hey, Spencer, can I, ask you, can I ask you about teaching your kids at home during the pandemic? Sure. Did you have, like, Did this is so stupid, but did you have, like, a classroom, a dedicated classroom in the house? How did you arrange it so that you could teach A them? table.
2: Like, we, we would say, okay, living room. The table's where work is done. Because if you didn't do that, then it's just anarchy. You know, like, did, you get kids. Like, my older kid is smart enough to go, well, I'll work on the couch, which is within two feet of the PlayStation controller, which is within, you know, out of sight, so I can't see what's on the screen, because it's probably Roblox. Yeah. Right. So we worked at the table.
0: Um, and did you have to... Were you following a school curriculum, or did you have to invent your own schedule and, like, class modules and and like materials and things like that
2: well we've, we followed a curriculum um my younger son is on the spectrum though so uh being anywhere on the autism spectrum makes um you know provides its own special challenges sure in keeping people on task um which i love because i sort of realized that like i'm not far off from him in doing all of this you go hey i'm the one who can teach him you know uh between you know the two parents i'm the one who's just you know better at it for some reason or another which i would not have called (laughs) i would not have called that pre-pandemic at all but
0: you're like hey i'm gonna be the nurturer here i'm definitely the one that's me
2: i'm the The fire from sec tv I'm the, right. I'm, I'm the fireworks parent, you know? Like I'm the fireworks and car crashes parent. That's that's typically my profile, right? Like, hey, who's the parent who is like, do you want to see 10 grand in cash? <laughs> <laughs> I inherited that from my dad. It's like one of my favorite stories about my dad that he woke me up at five in the morning when I was about seven years old, flashed ten grand in my face and was like, Hey, that's what ten grand looks like. Okay, son, good night. You know that's <laughs> great that's a great, that's um, a great story. Because like he'd that. just gotten in from like the casino at Biloxi. Um so that's my typically my gig but in teaching him um it is a very like even if you're following a curriculum keeping a kid like that is on task was uh was made me appreciate every teacher who ever walked in the room. I know everybody said that post pandemic and it's like a cliche at this point but um I would happily double the salary of every teacher easily having gone through even just a, a little bit of that.
0: Yeah cuz even just generating a response Like even if it's a bad (laughs) response, it's a challenge, like just to get them to say a fucking thing. And this is every kid. Like like I had to give one presentation to like my daughter's class and I was coming in and it was like you know, professional day or something. Tell the kids what you did. And I like I do cool shit. I write books, like I I write dirty football blogs and stuff like that. They could give half a fuck. They, They like I don't even think they remembered like my name. I had a book. Of mine to show them. Oh, and they, they, I don't even think they, they looked at it. So the idea of having to do that like day after day, and when it's your own kid, because there's a specific frustration you can have with your own child, and that goes both ways. They're frustrated with you in ways that are just simply not replicable across any other human dynamic.
2: No, they're frustrated with you because you're also the dude who plays Legos with them. <laughs> they're, looking, they're looking at you and saying, okay, math Nazi. Why can't you be Lego guy right now? It would be really nice if you were Lego guy, and instead I have to be math Nazi, and that's that was hard, especially when I'm also lunch lady. You know, like when you are lunch lady, when you are math Nazi, when you are all these things at once. So, um, if you went through that, hey, shouts out to you, man, respect (laughs) because it's uh, because I was there, and it is not an easy thing. Are they still at home? Anyone signed up
0: for? Or did? Did they go mm-hmm. back to in-person class?
2: In-person class. They're, okay. they're, they're in person now, like masked up at a school with HEPA filters and protocols. And Although my older kids already had two, uh, two quarantines, like two uh, incidents where they told the whole class to go home. Like just, hey, go home because of unvaccinated teachers, no less.
1: uh, that's great. Were were other parents
0: mad about the quarantine? Because we have had people in, like, our elementary school had a policy where if there was an outbreak in a class, everyone who had close contact would have to quarantine for 10 days, no exceptions. And the parents were not pleased about that because they're working parents and they don't want to have to have the kids at home. Did you ever have any of that uh, where you are? Yeah, but tough shit. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. I know. Tough titty, man. (laughs)
2: You know, like, you can be mad about it. Go ahead, vent. If you got to yell, it makes it feel better. But a whole lot of this stuff doesn't move, no matter how hard you kick it. And, like, <laughs> this is a shit sandwich. It's lunch. Eat. Hey, speaking of shit sandwiches, college football. Can we talk about is. the sport Why itself? A segue.
1: Segway ace. I get two I in one show.
0: If, if there's an opening, we have to take it. Tokyo, Tokyo. drifting. Because you know. we had not. <laughs> we have not spoken about college football really since the season began three weeks ago, because we are extremely uh, bad and lazy about covering college football. You, however, are not. So I want to talk to you about the current state of college football because I had, in my mind, prior to the season, to me there was sort of like a basic, like, you know, there's Power 5 and and there's about to be like a Power 2 or whatever. But to me it was a, a club of Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And then maybe LSU and Georgia, and that was kind of it. But LSU, Clemson, and OSU uh, have already lost this season. So is there any uh, hope this season that the sort of elite of the elite will reshuffle in any way? Or is it just going to be Bama beating everybody 60 to nothing?
2: Yeah, until Nick Saban dies, that's what's going to happen. Okay. We, We have to do the thing. Uh this works a lot like everybody I know who is into college football got into F one because they got to watch Drive to Survive and because the races come on well, usually either when you get up with kids or before the games on Saturday. So yes. it kind of fits that EPL slot, right? Like people got an EPL. It didn't interfere with college. In fact, you could just sit in the couch longer because, you know, you could just roll brunch into the games and you would already have watched like Stoke City versus uh Pembrokeshire hamsters yeah, or the, whatever Duffy uh, old FC. It's fantastic
0: right. pre-gaming for football. It really it is. is.
2: Football is like, it is great pre-gaming, but it also bears strong similarities to the sport in that it's a lot of colorful personalities with a lot of predetermined outcomes because Mercedes and Red Bull are going to be at the top. And, you yes, have they to, are. Then you have to get your drama somewhere between P four and P ten, with the occasional upset being the big thrill that you get. You know, like sometimes you do get the two top teams taking each other out, like Hamilton and Verstappen took each other out. Sometimes you get uh you know, we're here to watch a lot of football, but we're also here for cataclysm. We're also here for disaster for the big powers. When Bama loses Um, It is a tragedy for their fans, but like Mel Brooks says, comedy—you know—tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. When Bama falls into an open sewer and dies, that's the story of the the month, the sometimes the year. You know, like I'm looking forward. Ole Miss has to play Bama. Ole Miss is built like genetically, like engineered to irritate Alabama. That is everything. (laughs) Everything they do. Everything Lane Kiffin has that team doing is point for point, from instructions that Kiffin obviously copied and took out of the building at Tuscaloosa, that team is built to irritate. They may not beat them, but they do everything that pisses Nick off. Everything. (laughs) They do everything he fucking hates. And it is going to be a joy to watch, because even if they don't win, one, they're going to score some points. Because their quarterback, Matt Corral, um, great will... Oh, listen, Matt Corral is a just a a boss like i wish i had at any point in my life the self-possession and confidence of matt corral even in any moment because that dude he threw six picks in a game last year same guy like like pick six you know pick five pick six he's like "Ah, that's fine just go out and throw another 20 passes.
0: Uh, you get that name, and you have it on the beer can uniform of Old Miss. It's just a fantastic combination.
2: You That's can't... a great description of the, the classic Old Miss uniforms is beer
0: I fucking can. love the beer can uniform, and I wish they were always in the beer can uniform. It depresses oh, yeah, me no. when they are not.
1: So it, again, does. it does. Lane Kiffin is able to annoy Alabama consistently every year and then loses three or four other games. Will he uh, basically have that position for as long as he wants it? Is that still the way it works? Like, the hierarchy... I know what it is, but like, how does it sort of redound through those ranks in that way?
2: There's no real telling what will happen at Old Miss because they've fired perfectly good coaches before for nothing. Mm-hmm. David Cutcliffe was, and you know, I'll have Old Miss fans who will immediately hear this and hit me up and go, "No, his recruiting sucked. You need it." David <laughs> Cutcliffe was one of the best and most consistent coaches that Old Miss has ever had, and they just canned him, just like I don't know, seven and five, eight and four doesn't feel like good enough if you go back and look at the history of old miss, like, you know, Bill Connelly does these like S and P charts that show their performance. And, you know, Bama's kind of looks like, uh, Bama's kind of looks like, uh, you know, just kind of up, 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 occasional dip, up, 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 just performance accelerating into the horizon forever. And then if you look at wake forest, it's like a dead man. It's just <laughs> like, and then sometimes accidentally a nurse jostles the corpse. Right. And you, know, you see like a little, like seven games. Um, and then the EKG for Old Miss looks like somebody having a heart attack. It's just up, down, up, down. There's no middle. None. Like, they are they – are, somebody described Auburn this way uh, on Twitter, but, like, they're like your uncle who owns a landscaping business. They're either eating lobster or living out of their car. Like, that's old Miss. So the question of whether Lane Kiffin can keep that gig – it may not be up to him. It's like ultimately. if anyone could keep it is more. It. Yeah, if anyone can keep it. Because it's it's an erratic gig. The people who make the decisions there, um, they fight over a lot of things that sometimes have nothing to do with football whatsoever. Um, there's a lot of personality-based decisions there. Kind of like USC. USC sometimes, you, I have no idea who they're going to hire. And if you have any sound, confident predictions about who they're going to hire, you're lying. Because they hired Lane Kiffin three times. You know, they hired, right. they hired, they Lane hired Clay Helton. man. Like, Clay Hilton is just like what you get if you hire, if you like, if you just copy Lane Kiffin over and over again and the DNA degrades, <laughs> you like get Clay Like just dubbing
1: Helton. him over and over again onto cassettes and right. distributing it Sam is dot style. Yeah, that's right. That's nice to the, think about. What a
2: good 40, idea. The 45th copy of that is Clay Hilton, right? Like <laughs> it's kind of bland, kind of nice, sort of offensive, right but like you're like yeah that's the same guy um but like Ole Miss like Lane Kevin can keep that job per- performance as long as he wants because I think any as long as they're interesting as long as they're exciting as long as they're beating Mississippi State because the Egg Bowl is oh man Mississippi State versus Ole Miss is one of the best rivalries because everyone loses like if you're watching it is <laughs> like it's like watching two people fight on a boat on fire like they're both they're both going in the water right it that's always goes best. to 90 overtimes too which is great yeah, like that's the game that featured somebody that featured like Old Miss losing on a penalty because one of their players decided to mimic a dog urinating on the grass in the end zone after the winning TD. So that's one that up. Yep, And they got their coach fired. Like that's how Kiffin got the job. Like consider that Kiffin got that gig because a guy raised his leg like a dog in the end zone. Matt Luke got fired, they lost a <laughs> mistake. And that is how Lane Kiffin got hired. If you went back, by the way, and you told me, "Hey, Lane Kiffin got hired because somebody pretended to piss on the grass at Ole Miss," I'd be like, "Yeah, that's exactly." I was gonna how say Lane Lane that's Kiffin's one here. of those
1: things where like people love to say that about like what the last twenty years were like, where it's like, well, what, after the second time that President Trump was impeached, and like that's supposed to blow your mind in two thousand two, but like yeah. if you kind of if you knew what the country was like in two thousand two, you'd be like, oh, only Donald Trump. Like I kind of expected. Like that that would actually be like they had resurrected John candy, given him like citizenship, and then made him fash,
2: yeah, dude, can we do that that would be yeah a i'm we're, we're working
1: we're looking into it very strongly this is part okay. of our our year two goals Mecha candy uh can I just go with the conferences because uh
0: we know that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the s e c and then the big twelve to keep themselves intact, they just invited invited four new teams, including who's to say coastal Mississippi, you know East Louisiana. Uh, Yale. Yeah, Yale. <laughs> Come on down. Uh, Bob Evans Tech, things of that nature. Uh, in five years, what is this shit going to look like? Because I don't think it's going to look like... I don't think there's going to be a Big 12 or anything like that. Because like, I saw like the Alliance where they're like, oh, we're the Voltron, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. And the I don't even remember what the fucking third conference was. The ACC. And so I don't know... I don't have any confidence that that alliance will—it it doesn't mean anything right now, but it seems like it's setting the tone for like, okay, at some point, there's just going to be one big fucking conference, and we're going to have to make sure it's either us or the SEC. Am I wrong?
2: I don't think it'll be one. I think you get—because um, no, nobody's in charge. Oh. No, it's yeah. Like nobody's in charge of this. That's a very important thing to remember with the sport is that nobody's in charge because otherwise— um and people would be making a lot more money and there would be a lot more demand for performance across the spectrum there's a, like the number of people who can coast in this sport both at the administrative and coaching level is um is astonishing coaching now not quite as much salaries go up expectations go up and the leash is shorter than ever if you think back to virginia tech and frank beamer go look at frank beamer's first four seasons they're ass yeah he was they're, terrible they're terrible frank beamer would have never happened in today's game he would have gotten fired but he got that leash he got like the time to sit there and suck for a while before they figured out okay well here's how we actually do it here and then they started to turn around you know in years like five six and seven but if i told you right now hey we're gonna turn around in year six horseshit no you're not signing up for that it's not happening. Now, at the conference level, this is about organizing for TV money. This is you know, one reason to do all of this and to expand and to create the alliance, which is my favorite, by the way. Do you know how much paperwork is associated with the alliance? Do you know how many contracts they've signed? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, it meant nothing. None. No, they've done nothing. They had a press conference, right? You want to talk about gentlemen, let's keep our phony baloney jobs. They had a press conference and said, we trust each other and we'll work together. Okay.
0: Well, cool. Spencer, where I come from, a man's word is oak,
1: and yeah. I don't need a phone to contract to make a <laughs> it's, deal. So wait, it's really just like it's a conceptual working group. that, like, <laughs> That's what we're talking about? Yeah. I assumed if they made it onto the rundown for today's show that there had somehow at least been preliminary conversations with a television network or something. This is really just a bunch of fucking like soft pink men in suits being like, I actually have always admired the University of Cincinnati and just that like leaving perfect. it at that
2: that is correct and and but it's also it's also working towards especially cuz like the Pac-12 commissioner George Clafkov he's been on the job for like 10 minutes he got the you know like Larry Scott just left this year and Clafkov or or like maybe early last or late last year but Clafkov like is just getting his bearings and introducing himself to everybody which by the way like introducing yourself to everybody in the Pac-12 is geographically a challenge like that that conference i think people when they're like okay why is the pac 12 bigger why, why aren't they a bigger deal have you see the distances they have to cover just to like get from game a to game b it's absurd you've got to yeah. go from like seattle all the way down to tempe all the way out to tucson that is nuts People forget how big the west is. Like play this game. Just go like, "Hey, how long does it take to drive from like Boise to Denver?" It's always way farther. You're like, "Oh, that's like 2 hours." No, it's like 28 hours. Yeah, from from any point. I'd like but to
0: defend th- myself and say I would not have guessed it was a 2-hour drive.
2: I yeah. Just, you, you you're you, I mean, you got some Midwest experience. You understand. A 6-hour drive is nothing. A 28-hour yeah. hour
1: drive is effectively 2
2: hours to
0: drive. Yeah, if you live on if you live in the northeast enough where every state is the size of a pencil box, you're like, you know, you're just hopscotching, like, like across, like, three states in, like, four hours, or something like that. And you get to, like, fucking Montana. And you realize, oh, this is the size of China. I forgot that, like, other states have actual expansive surface areas that are very,
1: very, very, very uh, arduous in terms of navigation. That is a, a good point about the Pac-12, though, in the sense that, like, because geographically, like, the thing that as a, you know, more or less as an outsider without any great interest in it, the thing that kind of frustrates me about a lot of the realignment is... Uh, just defining, like, the ordinal directions down as necessary for TV stuff, where it's like, like, Texas is not a southeastern state. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's not right. And so that is my, you know, my main issue with it, because I don't really have a dog in the fight otherwise. Whereas, like, the fact that the Pac-12 makes sense because it's all on the same side of the country, it's also, like... That's the entire fucking side of the country, (laughs) you know, like, like, as Spencer points out, like, the entire nation up and down on the, like, one body of water, like, makes it, it's logical enough, it's easy to understand, it's just also, like, that body of water is an ocean, and the country we're talking about is what I would describe as, like, a, a decently sized country.
2: Yeah, like originally it was just pac Eight, where you know it was the PCH. Like that's, there were only schools that were on the coast. Like adding in Arizona, the Arizonas and Utahs and Colorados. That is a very late development in terms of that conference's history. It used to just be, hey, do you, do you touch water? Are you sort of close to it? Cool, you're in you're in the Pack Eight. You know. Uh, which then became Pac-10, which then became Pac-12, which will become, I don't know, Pac-16 Alliance Plus, available only on Amazon.com. I don't know. That kind of gets right. to the point, though. Say, and a which... version
1: of the pack that is expanded to include, like, New Mexico State and whatever, like, you know, Arkansas yeah. after, like, heated negotiations.
2: Yeah, or, you know, Ninsei University in Japan. I don't know. Like, whatever expansion <laughs> they end up doing. The, the point being, these are all big blocks for negotiating TV rights. That's what this is. That's why Texas and Oklahoma are getting in on this because the Big Twelves deal sucks. Um, and the Pac-12 is getting in on this because the Pac-12 embarked on what appeared to be an innovative and ambitious plan. And if your leader, corporate-wise, is saying that we have an innovative and ambitious plan, you should just look for a new, new job. Just don't because you don't want to let people know you have innovation or ambition coming. You kind of want it to sneak up on them if you say that. Yeah, it's college really football. Re-stop. That's They don't want that. They want tradition. Well, we would like, we would like money. Yeah. That, that's the idea. They went with like a regional network that had different likes. They went with this insane local cable access plan where they sold different networks for every single region, not really sort of thinking about how they were going to do it. And it didn't yield the same kind of money as like the SEC, which the SEC did what I would do. They said, whoa, starting a network's really hard and a lot of work. I should let someone else do that. Right. I should, I, should, I should just, hey, ESPN, do you want to help us build this out? Like the Big Ten with a partner, all right? But the Big Ten did sort of a ground up, hey, we'll start our own network thing. And they were the ones who broke this, which is why the Big Ten can always sort of kiss my ass when it comes to any sort of hypocrisy about, well, there's too much money and not enough focus on the student athlete experience and college athletic. Y'all were first. Y'all, y'all were the ones who who grabbed big money and your own TV money first because then you wouldn't have to share it with anybody. You disdainful of the Big Ten seems out of. I know, I know. But it's surprising.
0: Uh, before be just, we uh, get to the break, I wanted to ask you. You know, really, it's this is all building up to me asking you: How long will it be before Coastal Carolina is the dominant force in college football and has usurped Alabama as the dynasty? Three years. Okay, all right. I just wanted to know that. Will they ever change their field so that I don't feel seasick when I look at it?
2: No, you're going to have to deal with it. All right. Coastal's not not changing shit, man. Nothing. I
0: I like their coach because their coach looks like Mike Gundy if Mike Gundy was a cool guy. His name's
2: Jamie Chadwell. Nice, hell yeah. (laughs) If you had given me... If you'd given me a thousand years to write a better, more appropriate name for Myrtle Beach's college football coach, I could not have Jamie <laughs> that's Jamie J A M E Y. Chadwell. That's the dude's whole name. This, this, is, this is what one. he does. It's
0: he a chads. fantastic name. He has a glorious he, he has a gloriously greasy mullet too, and he's he mm-hmm. runs a fantastic program. It's only getting better. Let's take a break and come right back. Okay, that was a long enough break. We're back. We're gonna remember some guys. And I have to tell you, Spencer Hall, that I think I remembering college guys, I think is my favorite genre of guy remembrance. So will you remember some college football players with us right now? Oh, happy to. Good. Your guy of the week to remember this week is DJ Shockley. Remember that guy, Spencer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've talked with Shock.
2: He's great. Georgia's he's quarterback. On TV
1: now I learned uh, when yeah. I was uh, doing a little bit of like I remembered what school he played at. It was never like the biggest deal to me, but I'm. It seems like he's had uh, like a pretty good life in football as these things for a guy that never threw an NFL pass.
2: Oh yeah, listen, DJ Shockley is uh, by and large beloved by the Georgia fan base here for, for being the guy who who waited, right? Like he waited his turn uh, behind. I believe at that point in time it was David Green. Um he waited his turn. He was patient. He was cool. He came in. They had a great season. They end up playing a whale of a bowl game against West Virginia, where if you'll remember West Virginia, uh, sort of, it's an important moment in the Rich Rodriguez uh, hero arc. On the oh, way Rich it. Rod! I remember, Rich Rod calls a fake punt to seal that game. I believe it was a peach bowl. Um, so they end up losing sort of on their second home field in the Georgia Dome. But they... Uh, but yeah, Shock, Shock rules, man. Shock was awesome. Shock was actually a really, really good quarterback um, and beloved by the fan base here. And has a burgeoning TV career. So yeah, I'm happy to remember DJ Shockley anytime. He rules.
0: Are there any you know, Georgia quarterbacks are a good strain of guy to remember? yet. David Green. Matt Stafford is too prominent to be a guy. But I feel mm-hmm. like there, if I go through the, the litany of Georgia starting quarterbacks, and this is the Have part I- where I type it into the browser. Yeah, we love it.
1: People in love real time, of rudimentary Google search during rudimentary,
2: the rudimentary. Like, okay, so we have a a basic rule when it comes to Georgia quarterbacks that you're eligible to play quarterback at the University of Georgia if your name works forwards and backwards. So Hudson Mason quarterback
0: yeah Amazing.
1: yeah aspirational oh. names
2: that's oh what aaron you want there.
0: aaron murray now that's a guy aaron
2: oh, yeah. murray and mike murray, bobo murray aaron mike bobo murray aaron's
1: actually. a little bit too much murray aaron's a little bit too much like somebody i'm going to see at synagogue tonight my parents will be like he's a writer now <laughs> there's also eric
0: Zire. there was like there was a genre of quarterback in like eric Zire where i was like that guy could be a pretty good pro and then they get drafted in the fourth round and they did
1: do nothing like they do There was a sports bar near me that was an Ohio State and Cleveland Browns sports bar that was closed for repeatedly selling beer to people that they weren't allowed to sell beer to. And I once saw a guy on the phone in an Eric Zire Browns jersey outside of that bar having an argument with his girlfriend. And I remember uh, thinking, not just like there, but for the grace of God go I, but like that was, I think, as compact a cleveland sports experience as i can imagine like that dude left the house that day feeling great in his eric Zire jersey and then like he got what he was gonna get the whole time and uh, i had to be there to see the very end of it my
2: favorite georgia quarter my favorite georgia quarterback of all time by the way is joe terashinsky the fourth he was there at like 2006 and it's a he cool was actually he was actually a fullback And he comes from a family that, like, the Terashinskis have played at Georgia forever. Like, I think there were Terashinskis playing for Georgia in the Great Depression, you know? Like, he's the fourth, and I think the first actually played at Georgia. Uh, Joe Terashinskis came in when everybody was injured, and he was a fullback, but he volunteered to play quarterback. And um, he was valiant and terrible. Like, we destroyed them. In the cocktail party, and I say we meeting the University of Florida because if you're not familiar, I am uh, a massive Gator fan and came by it the hard way, which is actually going there and sweating for four years. But uh, Tara shinsky was great because I was just watching him play, and I'm like, this dude's got nothing. He had absolutely nothing, and he was the guy like everybody stepped back, and he was the last guy forward. You know, like any volunteers? Oop, that's him. Also, so, if you're out.
0: if you're a prominent Georgian, you've got Tara in your name. You're going to be beloved by a certain generation,
2: George. Is, let's see, I don't know if you want to be beloved by that certain generation. You do not. You do
0: not, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Hey, dead or canceled. Do you like to play dead or canceled, Spencer? Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, we are not remembering guys here. We're just doing dead or canceled. You have to tell me whether this person is dead or canceled. Norm McDonald, is he dead or canceled, Spencer? Oh,
2: oh man. Norm's dead.
0: Actually, that's incorrect. He's not dead. He's alive. Uh,
1: I saw him yesterday. Uh, We had a blizzard. It was great. It was very, very nice. I'm with him. It is uh, like we were all sort of talking about this yesterday. Barry did wind up writing a good post on it. I think that like Drew made the point in passing in Slack that it's very difficult to sort of write something about him that isn't being like kind of uh, an emotional man in his early middle age, being like, Norm taught me what it meant to be funny. And it's, like, I had, like, literally just posted that on Twitter at that time. Sorry. No, it's fair. Like, you're not wrong. I mean, it's, like, I think that for, like, I have friends, like, the more, you know, I was watching clips all day yesterday, like, everybody else, and I have friends who, in retrospect, like, clearly, like, not just, like, their sense of humor, their speech patterns basically mimic his. I think that, like, for a lot of people, like, to be in, like understated and kind of deadpan in the way that he was, but also to have the like sort of command that he always had. Like he never really seemed lost in a story that he was telling. Like I can definitely see the appeal of that. I always spoke way too fast to be able to pull that off. I think I, uh, I tried for SF gate, my other job, they asked me to
0: write an obit. And so I was like, well, it would only do him justice to write an anti-obit. So I wrote a whole thing. was like, Norm Macdonald. I actually didn't get his deal. And it was all like, oh, so you think it's funny to make nine eleven jokes, do you? You know who else thought that day was funny? Osama bin Laden, sir. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, you know, Drew, we don't think like readers will understand you're joking here. And I was like, but that's the point, because that's that well, was Norm's whole deal. And I was like, yeah, but
1: Norm McDonald can do that, and you. Can't. Right, I was gonna say. Like, it's really <laughs> harder for even like a normal person who is paid to be funny. Like you just can't, uh, whatever. It's like being like, I also have you know, like a circle change and a curveball, and I'm going to throw them in tribute to you, Darvish. It's not like... It would not be identifiable as such.
0: He was very good at deadpan silence. Uh, Like right
2: now. Oh, you just
0: broke the deadpan silence. I did, no.
2: No, go ahead. Seeing that excerpt from his book where he talked about Rodney Dangerfield and it's wild because he's writing. It's very hard to... Like Not a lot of people can translate the way they talk to the way that yeah. they look on the page. There's very few people who have a one-for-one relationship there. Um, he did. It's wild because you start reading him and you go, oh, no, this sounds exactly like him. And he does this whole bit where he's like, I have a secret about Rodney Dangerfield. And it's that he was not respected. <laughs> he, yeah. just does like, he just he does like Dangerfield's whole act, word for word, But it's wild because the joke, one, doesn't get old, and two, it reads on the page exactly like he spoke.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. It's also there's something about the page I think allowed him to like dilate in a way that even he would not dare do on late night TV. Like it's written in like as I recall, it's like a kind of like not just like dead earnest, but like kind of like written in like the style of like a vanity fair column. Like Rodney Dangerfield has a secret. Like, he has all the Hollywood riches that you could, but like, mm-hmm. the one thing he doesn't have, and you're like, he's gonna fucking do it. And he's like, his respect. But yeah. he's like, <laughs> beyond unhurried. <laughs> like, it's like, you read the whole page to get to that shit, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and would uh, you, it, uh, Spencer, uh, I don't do this often. I don't do this for every guest. In fact, we made a point, we made a policy at this podcast to not do it for every guest because Roth didn't want it. But for you, Spencer Hall, because you're a very, very old friend. I'd like you to play some mashups with me. Can you do a mashup? Can oh, you guess a mashup? I can try. Yeah. All right. So you, you have to know tell that me. You're
1: signing on. Drew's going to sing to you right
0: yeah, now. Yeah. You have to tell me which two artists I have mashed together. Are you ready? Me too.
1: Uh,
2: I think so. Now you've yeah, you're you're deaf in one ear, right?
0: Yes, I am deaf. But unfortunately, it is not, you are not. Make not it, so this could be not a problem. Impacted. For you. His this could be a real problem for you. I don't have to hear myself okay. sing, but you <laughs> and the audience. You are not so fortunate. So please tell me this mashup, all right? Because I got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away from me. Gotta get away from me. Gotta get away from me. What two artists
2: are that? I got Garth on the first. Yes. That's easy. Uh, I'm lost on the second. Like if there's, this is
1: what usually happens, Spencer. This is Roth. No can you do the second feature one. here on the podcast? Can you tag team and get the second one, Roth? Uh, I mean, I've heard that song, but I. I've is that heard the him, Offspring?
0: Like... That is the Offspring. Well yeah. done, Spencer. Okay. Hall. Nice I could again. not replicate Dexter Holland's uh, PhD nasal voice in a way that would that would pierce your eardrum and deafen you as the way I am deaf right now but i did really do try my best to.
1: it is also what makes this difficult beyond uh you know just sort of physically getting through the the listening part of it is uh that drews like his continuum his sort of like understanding of what songs people might know is perfectly flat and so when he would do them in the past there'd be like a Frank Sinatra song that every person like alive knows. And then the second one would just be like a white lion album cut. And he'd be like, I thought you like knew about music. Like this is like, do you not have, Yeah, have you not listen to the, like the B side to little fighter? Yeah. You should was,
2: know. You should know that shit. Only I, I, I feel like, I feel like Drew's musical taste is that he knows every flavor ever sold of Fritos. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the, the obscure funny. Fritos. Like he's like, oh yeah, man. They had the ranch ones for a minute. It was crazy. Well,
0: the
1: Drew's ranch really, ones. Were I honestly good. like Drew's relationship to music is inspiring and even aspirational to me because I know it's less so now than it used to be. But it used to be like when the kids would go to sh- sleep, he would just get in a big easy chair and fucking like just rage, like listen to Rat for like an hour and just. Oh no, love no, it, I still whole I still do all that. You I got dangerous to toys and everything. Yeah, I thought because you'd like made a substance-related shift in your life that you were no longer, Maybe it was just, you know... Well, no, no, longer.
0: no. It was due to the shift. It was when I became green and sober that I started
1: doing that. That You so. discovered you got, like, the other levels of rat?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people, you know, if they... When they smoke up, they're like, oh, I'm gonna listen to sleep and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm, like, the exact opposite. Like, I want... Like, my taste gets worse and more basic, <laughs> and I don't... Like, I don't actually want to be taken through a time portal, except... uh in honor of you, Spencer, I like watching uh some of the lyrics videos to Mastodon, like Ancient Kingdom yeah. and stuff. Like anytime they make their album cover art come to life, then I stare at my phone and then like I feel like I've been away for three hours and then I look up and like everyone's like, Can you empty the dishwasher? Like that happens. A lot. <laughs> hey, That's let's a- open up let's open up the fun bag, Spencer. This is from Craig. Please listen carefully. And this will not be as painful as listening to my mashup. Yeah, A lot of tennis talk, and it. basketball courts, soccer and baseball fields are adjacent to one another, leading to frequent situations where errant balls end up in the next court or field over. Do you ever think an errant ball, whether by accident or by cunning guile, has ever been seamlessly adopted into play on adjacent field during an official sporting event? Has, do you think this has ever happened at any level of any sport, Spencer?
2: Yeah, tennis especially. Yeah.
0: Like, you think so? See-
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're turned around or something. Yeah, I think you could... At tennis, at one point, you might realize... You might hit it and then realize multi-ball's been engaged when you see the other ball skittering the other way. So I could totally see that.
0: I uh, My son plays youth soccer, and, like, the parents are all... We're, the parents aren't allowed to really say anything. Like, otherwise, they get in trouble. like from Because they've had too many bully parents where they're like, all right, if you say more, anything more than yay, you're going to get kicked out. But, like, so then every parent is on, like, ball duty. Like, if a ball, like, goes five feet out of bounds, every other dad is like, oh, let me get that. Let me get that. So, like, if one went to another field, like, we've had this happen where it goes through a Jason field and we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's broken the other field. Like, what are we going to do? It's like, all of a sudden, there's like, there's an impromptu rescue mission for that ball when a kid can just jog over and get it in 30 seconds. It's really not that big of Why a deal. Why
1: leave it to a kid to do when you could have eight dads eager to have something to do? Yeah, a youth sporting event, solve the same problem.
0: Uh, John writes in, I live in a mid-sized town, about 40,000 people, with one major employer. So I see a lot of my coworkers around town. We recently started going to the community pool with our toddler, and it has to be the worst, weirdest place to see your coworkers. I don't want to see them half naked. And they probably think the same thing about me. Are there any other regular places you go to, not a strip club or a sex store, that are worse to see your coworkers, other than a pool or a beach, gym locker room may be a close second. Spencer, do you have an opinion on this? Jail. <laughs> <laughs> now that that is in the spirit of Norm MacDonald, and I don't even want to. I don't even want to add on to that. Too, 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 too good. Um, one moment.
1: John wrote You're in looking up more Georgia quarterbacks. Yeah, Just John writes
0: in when we played games of Wembley or knockout during rec soccer practices in the 80s, we used to fight to pretend to be Kai Hoskivi, the star forward of the Cleveland Force MISL team. As a 40-year-old desperately clinging to childhood nostalgia, I've been trying for years, years to buy a Hoskivi jersey. And while a Force jersey will very occasionally pop up on eBay, I've never seen a Hoskivi Force jersey for sale anywhere. Likewise... I love the dark green Milwaukee Bucks uniforms from the late 80s and early 90s and tried to find a Bucks Jack Sigma jersey, but that doesn't appear to exist for sale at all. Is there any sports memorabilia item, and I'm going to direct this actually to Roth, that you badly want to own but have been unable
1: to find? No. Uh, no, that's not really my thing. Um, really? You're the guy who yeah, owns no, bargain racks Of course. For oh, my God, yes. I mean, the the problem with this is that, like, there's so the fun of like basically everything that I used to do about like looking for records I now do at like the Goodwill or I did more often you know in the before times at the Goodwill in my neighborhood and there would be you know like inexplicable jerseys would sort of show up there and like you know how it happened like somebody was like I'm sick of seeing this Josh Howard Mavs jersey in my drawer (laughs) or somebody that owns a Josh Howard Mavs jersey dies like there's basically two ways that things get to to Goodwill and when I would see it there, it was, like, doubly magical because, like, you could think, like, somebody had this, like, Aaron McKee Sixers jersey. They ironed it. Like, they took really good care of it, and then one day they gave it up. And so I would buy it, like, seemingly on principle. But I'd say seemingly because it was just the idiot part of my brain. There was none of the other higher reasoning stuff was engaged. But the stuff that, that limits that is what was ever produced in the first place. And so the idea of, like, a Hoskivi jersey, like... It, you know, the sad part about it with all of it is that it might be that this is the only person that ever wanted one of those. And so the issue of like being able to find it is just like you have to start with that question of initial <laughs> supply. And it's like it's exciting when someone decides to make something that you also want, especially if it's a weird thing. I still remember seeing a Jeff Blake East Carolina jersey for sale once at Paragon Sports. Ooh, and it was like, be it was good. tight as hell. It was also, like, full price at a time when I was, like, working basically my first job. And, like, I wasn't going to spend $130 on a jersey that I really honestly couldn't wear anywhere. Like, I could wear it in, like, a Tribe Called Quest video from 1993, but that's about it. And yet, like, the idea that it was made was cool. Because, like, I don't know how many Jeff Blake jerseys ever actually got made. You know, uh, like I don't think that they were selling Jack Sigma jerseys even when Jack Sigma was good. <laughs>
0: Spencer, have you ever tried to hunt down like a Noah Brindis jersey and been thwarted?
2: Nothing person-specific, but it's kind of person-specific. There was a polo made sometime around 91, 92, 93 for Florida that you'll see Spurrier in shots in, and it is in a white, like base white polo with blue uh scales like like they just Ooh. they lean full into they loved the love to do thing. that shit in the 90s oh, it seems like the, the, but, but it's Kentucky's only like
1: basketball had the cat scratch down the middle of the pants mm-hmm. so it's the same thing Ooh, so like it.
2: it is a golf i mean it's just a golf polo right basic ass polo but it's got blue scales down the shoulder down one shoulder and across the chest and then goes into some like tamer kind of striped patterns but it is simultaneously the most '90s thing, and also the I'm certain the thing that Spurrier paid least attention to, because like most coaches, he's just grabbing stuff off the rack and being like, "I'm sexy," and then just throwing yep. it on this, you know, his office floor, <laughs> and never paying attention to it again because somebody else washes it and cleans it up. So I've, I've looked at that, and I found one, but it was I think it is a coveted item because I think it was like ninety bucks when I yeah, found that's it.
1: The- The other thing that's tough about that is that so much of the, you know, what I guess now qualifies as, like, retro stuff like that is, like, that secondary market is so incredibly robust. Mm -hmm. There's a a store in the East Village called Mr. Throwback that I've been in a couple times. It's, like, the closest experience that I've had to, like, the experience of, like, buying underground hip-hop records when I was in high school. Like, just because, like, the guy sort of also looks like the people that were the record clerks at, like, Fat Beats. Just, like, a guy in a Starks jersey and, like, a hat just, like, listening to whatever rap music all day long. And the jerseys, like, there's beautiful stuff there. There was, like, a Danny Manning Clippers jersey that I really wanted. But it's, like, I'm not spending $100 on a shirt that doesn't have sleeves on it. Like, I can look at it and, like, sort of appreciate it or whatever, but there's just not, like, a practical application uh, in my life for a sleeveless shirt. Well, then you like dedication.
0: so I, You know what it is? Like, like, there are merch guys, like our own Dan McQuaid, who, like, accept the price points and, like, they're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in on this, whatever whatever this is. And then there are guys like you and me where it's like, oh, wait, I should probably, you know, I should probably save that,
1: you know, money for, like, I don't know, food or something like yeah, that. but like well, the, I mean, people, he flips half that shit, too. But for me, it's does. like, I'll pay $10 or $7 at Goodwill for that same item. I just, the idea of, like, I'll have to wait an awfully long time to see a Danny Manning jersey at the goodwill near me like it'll, it'll require the person that bought it at mr throwback someday getting sick of it and also moving to my neighborhood
2: did you by the way mr throwback do do any of us know brian koppelman because if we just mention mr throwback it's gonna end up on a billions episode like it'll oh be like, yeah you know.
1: it's a hundred percent like i think well whatever i, I probably should uh, like at the very least that would no. float mr throwback for a long time so that it's not just being supported by like that's fine inexplicably rich teenagers from tokyo
2: yeah. I just want to see something like Axe is looking for an, a you know, a ninety three Tim Tuffle.
1: Right. <laughs> like, Axe needs
2: this. Oh no. no. Oh, brought no. You, you oh, hit a no. the theme
1: free Chris Childs.
0: It's for it's for work. You hit the guy's sweet spot with Tim Tuffle because he was a Met and a <laughs>
2: twin, Spencer. That is correct. That was targeted and I appreciate it. Absolutely I
1: the, yeah, that's like you got a, twins and the Mets. It's it's effective pandering, and therefore it cannot be judged as such. It's uh, effective.
2: That's billions. Effective pandering, right? It is. Uh, before we go, uh,
0: who will win the national championship, and who would who should I root for win winning the national championship?
2: I can't believe I phrased that that way. Who should I root for to win? Well, I can't believe my answer because uh, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons not to root for them. The team you should root for is you should root for Ole Miss because. It would be the funniest thing to happen. It would be Old Miss's uh first I think their first true national title. I don't really count anything, you know, like pre integration. That's not that's 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 not involving every player. That's not th- those no. shouldn't count. Um Old Miss you should root for Old Miss to win because Lane Kiffin winning a national title at Old Miss would be side splitting. I root for comedy. It would be funny. Alabama's yeah. probably gonna win. That's the easiest bet you can make. But... Anything
1: that secures Lane Kiffin's legacy through the ages. You're a fool if you don't support that.
2: That's the thing.
0: Brian Nix is our producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium, and thanks to Roth and me and Spencer. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And subscribe to defector.com, too, while you're at it. And, please, for the love of God, Subscribe to Channel 6. You can go to 26snakes.com and get redirected to their proper URL. And you will get two utterly flawless college football posts per week. That's the Spencer Hall guarantee. Am I right?
2: That is correct. Sometimes you get F1. Sometimes you get nonsense. But it's two things a week. At least two things a week. Um, at least there might be
1: a third. You never know. That would be it's like what the pros read. They're the best writers there are. I cannot recommend it highly enough.
0: Yeah, he's been the best college football writer throughout pretty much the bulk of my professional career. So uh, it is a pleasure to have you back on, Spencer. Have a great season,
2: okay? Uh, Hey, y'all as well, anytime.
0: All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.